Welcome to the Old Bridge Baptist Church podcast. We hope you find the following sermon to be edifying for your walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page. You can also visit our website at obb.church for more info. Now here's the sermon. Let me pray before we begin. Father, the the world has its, its own rules, the way they live. The world has its own wisdom. We were all part of that at one time, Father, but you have pulled us from that. Now we know the, the wisdom of God and are able to live by it. Help us, Father, to remember from where we came and where we are this morning. Give us understanding and grace as we look in your word together. We pray in our Savior's name, amen. There are a number of important issues that our nation is facing right now, and that our church, not our church, but God's church everywhere is facing. And I want to deal with some of these issues whenever I have or take the opportunity to stand before you as this morning. And over the years, I've tried not to repeat uh, sermons or subjects that I've dealt with in the past. But I think today's subject is one that does bear repeating with some revisions here and there and some updates. I think I preached this about, uh, oh, at least four years ago now. And that is the issues of race and racism. The issues of race and racism. And not merely black versus white, but Asian racism and racism as it deals with other so-called minorities today. And I don't know about you, but no matter how many laws are passed, no matter how many statues are erected or how many statues are torn down in order to promote uh, healing and unity between the, the black and white population, it just doesn't seem to work, does it? It just doesn't seem to work, at least in my opinion. For example, in my hometown up in uh, Clifton in North Jersey, a mural was painted on a wall underneath a highway overpass that depicted unity among all the races, but it was considered too political. And so much of it had to be painted over or whitewashed over. The latest Gallup poll shows that black-white relations are at a new low. You have the Black Lives Matter movement in our land. You have the George Floyd killing up in Minnesota, the Breonna Taylor killing down in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, Generations ago now, you had apartheid in South Africa. Of course, you had slavery here in America. 
You have the, um, or had the Aborigines in Australia who were once considered less than human. They were thought to be the missing link between ape and man. And then today you have six of the Dr. Seuss books are no longer being published because of the racist images that are portrayed in some of their stories. And on and on the illustrations and the stories go. And again, not just black and white, but racism even toward the, the Asian communities. Um, I asked one of the Asian ladies in our church, why is that going on? And uh, because it is on the rise in America. And she wasn't sure, but she thought perhaps it was because the Asians are being blamed somehow for the COVID virus. Now, I'm not sure that may or may not be true, but you had the Atlanta killings earlier this year where six of the eight people that were killed were Asians. And Asian harassment continues to grow everywhere in America. Yeah, the Chinese massacre that took place well over a hundred years ago now in Los Angeles when uh, 19 Chinese were killed. And it was called one of the largest mass lynchings in American history. And it led to the Exclusion Act of 1882 when for a period of 10 years, Chinese immigrants were ineligible for naturalization. In 1875, Chinese women were prohibited from entering this country because it was thought that they were all or would be all prostitutes. And so the women were kept out. You have the mistreatment of the Japanese Americans during World War II. You have an entire caste system in India. Nowadays, the Washington Redskins are no longer the Redskins because it's offensive to our Native Americans. The Cleveland Indians are changing their name to the Cleveland Guardians. Eskimo pies are now called Edie pies, E-D-Y, Edie pies. The National Football League is, is toying with the idea of now playing two national anthems before each game. The white national anthem and the black national anthem. And again, on and on, these kinds of illustrations could go. It was Adolf Hitler's hatred and elimination of the Jewish population in Europe that was really fueled by evolutionary thought. Charles Darwin's book, The Origin of the Species, is subtitled, The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. What did he mean, favored races? And then there's Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. She was a, she was a hardcore racist. And she believed in sterilizing races that were less evolved in life. And that was a way to build what she referred to as a cleaner race. 
What did she mean by cleaner race? And so she set about to set up clinics in minority communities all across America in hopes of what she called stemming the rising tide of color. Stemming the rising tide of color. The words of a racist. Why did anyone ever promote or be involved with Planned Parenthood, knowing its, its origin. Bob Jones University believed in separation of the races. Tennessee Temple College in Chattanooga believed the same, and I know that was true because I attended there for a while. They said separate but equal, but separate is never ever equal in life. The Southern Baptist Convention was founded by slaveholders who believed in racial superiority. Now, fortunately, the Southern Baptist Convention repented of that belief in 1995, but it took them a long time, didn't it, to change their minds. For generations in America, it was taught that the, the so-called curse of Ham from the book of Genesis was a curse against the black people in the world. But there's no curse of Ham in scripture. It was Canaan that was cursed, and that had nothing to do with slavery. It was an excuse for racism. And we need to know or be reminded that the issues of prejudice and racism are not political issues. They are not social issues, but they are moral issues. They are issues of sin, best I can put it. And we have to deal with those subjects from a biblical perspective and not from a school textbook on science or social studies, or social science, or biology. See, for generations and generations, we have been sold a bill of goods. And we need to learn to think, as Christians, we need to learn to think differently. We need to learn to think biblically. As Paul says in Romans 12, we need to have our minds transformed by the gospel. Learn to think as God thinks. Well, what does scripture say about race and racism? What's the origin of race or how many races are there exactly? See, we tend to group people according to one or more physical features that they all have in common. And that comes down to mainly color. And we call them races, and their features are called racial characteristics. Racial characteristics. And we treat each other's, we treat others differently based on those racial characteristics or physical characteristics. The Human Genome Project, having to do with genetics, published its findings in the year 2000. The New York Times reported on it uh, in 2000, and I quote, that researchers had unanimously declared there is only one race, the human race, 
you know, how did they ever get that right? A secular report, uh, lo and behold, they got it right. Well, we're not looking to that report this morning. We're looking at what God says about the whole issue. What does God say? And of course, it's God who created the first man, Adam. And then from Adam, he created the first woman. They were our original parents, all right? For all of us, they were our original parents. All of humanity can be traced to Adam and to Eve. Without exception, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20, refers to Adam and it says, The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, this statement is made before Eve had any children. She would be the mother of all the living. That's what Eve essentially means. So that statement was a prophetic statement looking into the future. All humanity is traced to Adam and Eve. But how do we explain all the differences in our world today? All the differences among many peoples today? Well, if you got your Bible, Look in Genesis chapter 11, the text that uh, has already been read for us. The Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. By the way, have you heard the radio commercial about a new, I guess it's computer program that can teach you uh, to learn languages, foreign languages, quickly? You know what it's called? Babel. I thought that was neat. It's called Babel. Well, I'll not reread the whole text, of course, but you have all of humanity, the entire human race that has settled in one place in the world, humanity rebels against God. They all settled at Babel. Instead of spreading out through entire world, as God had commanded them to. And so they were in sin. An entire population of the world was in rebellion. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 11, the whole earth had one language and the same words. Only one language was spoken. And language there literally means one lip. One set of words. Everyone spoke the same language. What happened? says, God came down and confused their languages. Now suddenly, different groups of people were now speaking different languages on the earth. He confused their languages. There is the origin of language. Evolutionists have never been able to figure out how languages evolved. Where Here's the answer. As a result of God's judgment, God brought about the origin of different languages. And so now, groups of people who spoke the same language, different groups, they moved away from other groups who spoke different languages. And they all spread out around the world just as God had originally intended to happen. And they isolated themselves from all the other 
language groups. And they began to survive by simple inbreeding, so to speak, within their language group. And so distinctive traits began to surface in each group by genetic or through genetic variation. And skin color and other characteristics are simply oh, sort of recombinations of genetic factors that were originally found in Adam and Eve. So it seems always to go back somehow to Adam and Eve. And as years passed, as, the, as they developed in life, each group developed its own culture. And certain physical traits became more prominent in each group. Asians, Europeans, Africans in another part of the world, all different, but still only one race. Not many races, but still one race. And now look in Acts chapter 17, the other text that was read for us, Acts chapter 17. Uh, a very helpful text to help us understand what went on in the ancient world and how God worked. Acts chapter 17, um, the Apostle Paul is uh, dealing with the so-called intellectuals of, of his day. And he's going to introduce them to what was known as the, the unknown God, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. Chapter 17 of Acts and verse 26, it says, He, the Lord, made from one man, we're back to one man again, Adam, made from one man every nation of mankind. Now, some of your translations would say blood, but the word there is nation. Made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling places. Now, we're still talking about one race, Adam's race, the human race. And again, it's nations. Now, who's responsible for the establishment of nations? God is. It's God who spread the people out and saw that different nations were formed. It's God who formed those nations as to their uniqueness, their unique identity, even their unique location. He moved people where he sovereignly wanted them to be, speaking the language that he sovereignly gave them. So it's God who's behind all of this. It's the sovereignty of God. And so we are all of one man. We all come from the same family. We are all related. We are all related and we all trace our roots back to Adam and his wife Eve. And again, he named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. And so we are connected through a common lineage. Of course, evolution denies that. Racism always has denied that. See, ra uh, race and racism are 
evolutionary ideas, evolutionary terms or concepts. They were used by Charles Darwin and Huxley and other 19th century evolutionists. And Darwin's theory of evolution has permeated our globe, hasn't it? There's not a place on the globe that evolution is not taught. Turn on public television. It's there, is it not? It's all over public television as if it's the main truth that everyone needs to know. By 1925, students in America were being taught that Caucasians were the highest race. Now, sometimes that teaching was subtle, but it was there. And I grew up in those generations when it was taught. In Dayton, Tennessee, where the, the Scopes trial took place, I guess about 100 years or more now, the biology textbook that was being used across America was entitled, A Civic Biology Presented in Problems by George Hunter. Listen to what Hunter wrote, and I quote him. The races of man. At the present time, there exist upon the earth five races. The highest type of all, the Caucasian race, represented by the civilized white inhabitants of Europe and America. Can you get any more racist than Hunter was? But that's what students across America we're learning back then. No wonder our, our world and our nation have turned out the way we have, because we were taught that as truth. In Darwin's book, The Descent of Man, uh, published in 1871, he popularized the idea of different races of people, from the highest to the lowest, and every other race in between, the most primitive to the most advanced. And he said, or he taught that different races evolved at different times and at different rates of time. And people closely related, such as even the Irish and the English, were considered from different races. No wonder you have conflict there, or had conflict. The foolishness of evolution, but yet it's still taught everywhere. Even to the degree of what's called theistic evolution. It's taught in Christian universities and colleges and some, and some seminaries today, that God used evolution to create everything that God set creation in motion and then sort of just stepped back and allowed evolution to continue its work. That's actually believed by Christians today. It's even taught by some Christians today. That's abhorrent. That's abhorrent to God. It's a mockery of God. It's a mockery of the scriptures. And yet somehow it's justified at least in America, perhaps everywhere, everywhere. But we all come from one man, Adam. And God designed Adam perfectly 
And he created Adam from the dust of the ground. So, of course, we are all equally made in God's image. And we all have or have equal value to God. Now, not in society, no, but in the eyes of God, we have equal value. We're all from that same family, and we have to treat one another, no matter who we are, as relatives in the same family. You believe that? Do you believe that? We need to believe that, absolutely. Well, then, what about color? What do we do with that issue? What about color? The old children's gospel song, Jesus loves the little children. How's it go? Go ahead. Yeah, every color, black and white. Well, the thing is, no one has truly white skin. I don't, I have somewhat of a tan, but the, the, the page of my notes is white. I'm not white. My black friends, you are not truly black. Look at the color of Jesus, of Jesus' skin in some of the, the older books for children about Jesus. What does Jesus have? White skin. Well, Jesus did not have white skin. Everyone essentially has the same color. We just have varying tones of the same color. We all have a pigment, a pigment called melanin. Melanin. And each of us has a different proportion of melanin. It's why we have the hair color we have. I guess when you have gray, we're losing melanin. But it's why we have the hair color we have. It's why we have the eye color we have. It's because of the degree or the amount of melanin that we have. The proportion determines our skin tones. And so today, people with darker skin have a greater amount of melanin. And they will usually have children with darker skin in life. While those who have a lesser degree of melanin will have lighter skin and will tend to have children with lighter skin. But not always. <laughs> That's not, it doesn't happen that simply all the time. But generally speaking, it has to do with the amount of melanin. Adam and Eve probably had middle brown skin. Jesus probably had the same kind of skin, not white, but middle brown, tan, whatever you want to, to call it. They had a mixture of light color and dark color genes. They had dominant genes and they had what's known as recessive genes. And their descendants could have a wide range of skin colors, from the very light to the very dark. By the way, who's in charge of giving out melanin? Well, God is. 
God is the potter. Not us, not man, but God is. Now beyond skin tone, there were other characteristics that distinguish one group of people from another. When people scattered as a result of God's judgment at, at Babel, they isolated themselves together around the world with their own people group or language group. And they began to survive by simply inbreeding with their own particular group. And distinctive national traits began to surface through genetic variation. Again, we go back to Adam. But they're still all from Adam, or Adam's race. Skin color, other characteristics are, are recombinations of genetic factors that were originally created in Adam and Eve. And over a period of time, different people groups displayed certain characteristics. The Asians who were here, the Europeans who were here, and the Africans who were here. But it all comes from God. Psalm 100 says, it is he, the Lord. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. And we are not products in any form. We're not products of evolution. Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made by a God who is a personal God who is, is a creative God and a sovereign God. He designed us. He designed you outwardly and he designed you inwardly. I didn't get to choose my parents, did you? No, God is sovereign. He gave us the parents he wanted us to have. I didn't get to choose my gender. And that's a whole other issue today that will will deal with in the not too distant future. I didn't get to choose my nationality, nor did you. I didn't get to choose my heritage, what I look like. That comes from the Lord. He chose it. You think God knows what he's doing or not? It's like in, in, in uh, Isaiah, he's the potter, we're the clay. We're not the potters, we're the clay. The clay has no right to say to the potter, listen, what in the world did you do? I don't like what you do. Well, the potter knows what he's doing. The potter knows what, he's, what he wants to do. And he's not finished yet. You know what percentage of, of our genes is reflected in our outward appearance, color, whatever, everything? What percentage of our genes is reflected in our outward appearance? <clears throat> 1%. We put so much time and emphasis and argumentation about that 1% of what we are and who we are. Shame on us. Shame on us. So. Let me conclude. Where does that leave us? Martin Luther King said, there's no room for racism. Of course, it's true. Amen to that. There's no room for prejudice of any kind, of any kind. Our identity is not color, heritage, 
parents, any of that. Our identity as believers is in Christ. That's, that's bottom line for each of us, for all of us, not our culture, not our origin, but Jesus. And so we have to know and maintain a biblical world view. And again, this is not a, a, a political issue. Don't get involved in that kind of rhetoric. It's a, it's a moral issue. It's a sin issue. And only when Christ returns to earth to, earth to, to set up his kingdom and eventually take us into uh, the new earth and the new universe, when everything is perfect, we will still maintain our identity. What you look like now, to some degree, will still be true on the new earth one day, out through all eternity. Except we'll be perfect, of course, but you will still be you. And you will be recognizable on the new earth one day. Uh, so be glad the way God, God made you. What brings about real change? Is it more laws? Of course not. Now, I, we live in a, in a society that is so fallen that these laws are needed. But you know they're not going to work. You just know that. The human race is fallen. Jeremiah says, not just fallen, our hearts are wicked, but desperately wicked. That's how bad off our society is. Laws cannot change a man's way of thinking because they can't change a man's heart. Only Christ can, of course. Only the gospel can change how we view everything in life. Let me share, let me read a couple of verses that are so good as they address this very issue that we're looking at this morning. Jot them down. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, uh, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, listen, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves, more important. Racism doesn't do that, does it? It can't, but we can. We can as believers. And then somewhat the same idea from Romans chapter 12. First part of verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Racism can't think that way. Of course it can't. But we can as God's people. And I think it's summed up best by, by James in James chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, and he'll, he'll define what the royal law is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Racism can't do that, can it? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, 
you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Partiality or favoritism in any era, any way of life, we are judged guilty and sinful. Aren't you thankful that we have a church that is so, so wonderfully mixed with people? That's the, way, that's the way God intended it to be. And God help us, by his grace may he help us to be the to be the people that he has called us to be and wants us to be, living by the, the royal law of love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for helping us to see truth. Lord, thank you for calling us out of the world to yourself. Lord, help us to love all. Help us to share the gospel with all, without exception. Just make us to those people you have designed us and called us to be. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old Bridge Baptist Church. Please consider subscribing to our podcast on the platform that you're currently listening on. We appreciate your support and we hope you have a God-blessed day.